Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed and past performance does not guarantee future results. And you're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, my name is Kirk Reed. Uh, I'm joined today by my uh, brother-in-law uh, and business partner, Justin McNamara. Good morning, Justin. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. How are we doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. I can see some activity there in the, in the uh, background. Everything, home, uh, everything, my, everything my okay? Office. Yeah, your home office. Yep. That's right. The uh, the WAT studio where we're recording this from today is uh, is a long way from my uh, from my home office. So yes. zooming in as usual. Yeah, you'll see. I mean, yeah, the the, the listeners won't get the uh, the benefits of it, but uh, you'll see some activity behind me. Hopefully, not too much in the way of distraction. I well, I yeah, I was going to try to record the video, but I was unsuccessful in doing that. So so yeah, so nobody nobody will have the benefit of seeing what's going on there. Uh, That's right. Yeah, no, we're not going to. There'll be no there'll be no follow up TV broadcast to see anyone walking around in their pajamas. That's good. I, I, I suppose guess, that's probably a good thing. I guess not. But uh, but hey, if little ones come by, that's always. I think that's always exciting. So if yeah, any, if anybody wants like, to come. Yeah, the listeners will like that. Yeah, of nice, course. Nice break from the from the uh, the heavy topics that we're always covering here on McNamara on Money. That's right. So. The uh, the topic of the show today is what's hot and what's not. <laughs> That's right. Shout out to Mary Beth from our office for uh, for titling uh, what we're we're gonna just. It, it's basically just a topical show, and we're gonna be going over some things that are happening. Right. Obviously, we're we're going through a lot in the economy and the markets, and we're just gonna go through a bunch of different uh, topical. Uh, things here and uh, Mary Beth said hey let's do what's hot what's not because uh, I think it's a, a heat wave inspired uh, show here so I'm I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it it's gonna be uh, it should be a good show it, it yeah it has been it has been warm and um, I've been I've been keeping an eye so next week I was planning on taking the kids to uh, Six Flags okay and I, oh, I've, wow. I've been keeping an eye on the weather and it's just like like won't change. It's like 90 degrees every single day, like out in Agawam, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but then the, so I was thinking about going one day, the, the next day it says 97 now. So yeah. I, now I'm just fingers crossed that we don't get, don't get that. <laughs> now, now I'm like, okay, 91 is in my mind. Oh, and I was like, yeah. Your girls have graduated to Six Flags, huh? Are, we're still, uh, we, we only recently made it up to, um, oh gosh, now I can't even think of the one up in, up in New Hampshire, but uh, Canopy Lake. Canopy Lake, yeah. yeah. We, we moved from Storyland to Canopy last year, and uh, yeah, we definitely haven't made it to Six Flags yet. Good for you. I girls think, are pretty tall. I think everybody's tall enough. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I measured everybody, and, and it, I think we're going to be able to do just about everything. Nice. Ooh, all right, yeah, so, all right, so... What's hot? What's not? Um, so, what do what do you want to start with? You want to start with a hot or a not? Yeah, I think you know what. Most of these, oh gosh, I don't know how many. Uh, I don't know how many knots we have. I think I will go with. Um, let's let's go with a. Let's go with what's hot for four hundred. You think what's hot? I was gonna no, say, I don't. On my on my list, I have I just have these sort of lists. I don't have a, a hot and not. Okay. I don't have them categorized specifically, but let's go with a what's. 
I guess it's a hot topic, but I'm going to say this this would be a what's not, right? Okay. Um, you know, when, when we get into bear markets, one of the things, right, so, you know, folks start writing articles about your investments and, and you know, we in the financial media have to have something to say out there. And so, uh, you know, on the, on the topic of, uh, you know, kind of making lemonade from lemons, one of the things that you'll sort of regularly hear is, oh, it's a bear market. And now that means, uh, you know, it's it's a good time to do a Roth conversion, Ooh, right? And, okay. and sort of the, just for everybody's uh, benefit, you know, a Roth conversion is when you take money from your traditional 401k or IRA, the one that you got a tax deduction to put your money into. Uh, you pay those taxes and then you move it over into a Roth IRA and then it grows tax-free forever, right? Under current law, it grows tax-free forever. <laughs> Yes. And and so, you know, the, the in the concept is and it sort of makes sense until you until you dig into the numbers. Right. You say, well, well hey, you know, um, if I do my Roth conversion right now, my my account used to be let's just let's just use a simple account. My account was twenty thousand uh, dollars at the end of twenty twenty one. And then, well, back in June, it was down to fifteen thousand dollars. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to convert my IRA to a Roth IRA, I'll pay my taxes and, and then I'll have more money into my Roth and then I'll have, and then it'll, you know, it'll grow faster in my Roth because it's going to be tax free, right? I'll, I'll have more money. I'll pay less taxes to get it into my Roth and then it will, it will stay there and it will live there forever. And, you know, therefore I will be better off. And it sounds like a, it, it does sound like a great uh, idea, right? Cause you're paying, well, I'm paying less money in taxes to get my money from my IRA over to my Roth. So therefore it must be, you know, this wonderful thing. Um, am, am I explaining this okay so far? Yeah. Well, I'll make sure you're, I'm gonna make sure you're following along, Kirk, just so I, just in case feel, feel free to interrupt me anytime. I don't want to get too deep. This is sort of a down in the details discussion. So yeah, well, I think, it, I think that, that was my only thought was to maybe like step back for a second, just again. Yeah. And I know you touched on it, but just kind of briefly, you know, what's the difference between a, a traditional and, and a Roth, right? Just, oh, okay. Just, yes. You know, yeah. Just, so yeah, tr traditional was, you know, when, when, Mo, you know, they, I don't even know if they, I don't know where the name traditional came from, probably because it was just the first one. May, and the, maybe, the, maybe, maybe they weren't called that yeah. until the Roth came out. And then yeah. it was like, okay, yeah, yeah. Now, now it's a traditional. It was just a 401k. Yeah, it was just a contribution before, uh, but, you know, and then the Roth came out and now it's the traditional contribution. Right. But so when you put your money into your 401k, for the most part, I guess, you know, more than, certainly more than half of the contributions that go into 401ks and IRAs are traditional, which means you get a tax deduction on the way in. So, hey, I'm going to put, you know, uh, six grand in my Roth this year. And, I'm sorry, six grand in my traditional IRA this year. And I'm going to tell the IRS that I that I made six less thousand dollars. So I saved the taxes on that six thousand dollar contribution. Uh, and then my money goes into my account and grows. And then when I take it out is when I owe my taxes. Right. Because I, you know, I put money in, I take a tax deduction. So not not taxed. And then it grows tax deferred as long, you know, for as long as you're leaving it in that uh in that 401k or in that IRA. And then on the way out is when you pay your taxes. Right? And so that's that's the traditional side of it. The Roth is just the opposite, right? You do not get a deduction to put money into the Roth. Uh, you, you know, if you put $6,000 into a Roth IRA, you still follow your taxes and you say, I made $50,000. I put, I put six into a Roth, but I'm still paying taxes on my 50. Uh, and then the Roth goes in and it grows tax deferred and comes out tax free as long as you follow all the rules. Right. Okay. So, you know, that, that's the, you know, that's the, the process. And, you know, when we, when we advise clients, it's, it's a, it's a difficult, 
um, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's difficult advice to give, but it's, there's a little fuzz in the recommendation of where, where you should put your money just based on the fact that we don't know what your future tax rate is going to be. And, you know, when, when I go through this in a minute here, we'll, we'll spend some time on the, you know, the real, the real importance of the Roth and, you know, the real benefit of it is, um, is, you know, what your tax rate is when you can make your contribution and then your distribution, right? So if you, if you put money in, um, you know, we, we general, I'll start with our sort of general kind of, um, not boilerplate advice, but, but our, our, our generic advice for most folks is if you're in the lower tax brackets, right? Specifically, you know, there's a lot of times this is applying to younger folks. Uh, Roth is probably a better option for you because you're, you know, the, the deduction that you give up is lower, right? If you're in the 12% tax bracket, you could make a traditional contribution, but you only, you only, you know, in air quotes, only save 12% on your federal taxes. Um, whereas if you were in the 22% tax bracket, you would save 22% on your federal taxes. If you were in the 32% tax bracket, you would save uh, 32% on your federal taxes. So at, at lower rates, you're, you know, the, you're giving up less of a tax deduction. And so we generally recommend that you put it in, uh, into, into a Roth because the odds are that your tax rate later on is not going to be higher, right? I'll right. pause there, am I okay so far? Yeah, okay so far, and I mean, and as, as you said, I mean, you know, the, the reason that it is a little fuzzy is, you know, we don't know, we don't, we don't know the future of the individual's, you know, tax situation, and we also don't know if the tax code in general is gonna change. Right. Um, that, you know, that's always a possibility. Um, you know, tax code does change every every so often. Um, you know, and I actually was going to talk about this later, but just you know that, you know, the tax brackets now are actually not all that bad. You know, relative to 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 ones that we've had in the past. Um, you yeah. Know, and a lot of people, well, a lot of people, I think in general are are pessimistic when it comes to taxes, and they're like, ah, oh, you know, taxes are probably going to go up if anything, right? Um, yeah. Over the rest of our lives, but that, but it really is an unknown. Um, and so it's, you know, you, you kind of, a lot of times it's kind of a hedge, right? Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll suggest, uh, to folks that maybe they do a little bit of both, right? If they have that, yep. if they have that option, uh, you know, do a pre-tax and a Roth and that way you have some flexibility, uh, when it comes time to, you know, to retire and, and when you're pulling money out of your portfolio, if you, if you have both pots of money, uh, now, now you have some, some flexibility just, just in case of what the tax brackets might be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the end of the, of the, you know, of this discussion is, is essentially going to be that, you know, it, uh, there's certainly reasons to do Roth conversion in, in a bear market. And there are, there are some positives, but I think there it's, it's not, it's not, the recommendation is not nearly general enough for the average person to just go out and do it right. You, you know, certainly do not hear on the radio. Oh, Hey, bear market, great time to do Roth conversion. And, you know, don't just go out and do it based on that. And I'm, I'm going to, I put a few numbers together uh, just to kind of illustrate the point. And, you know, this is, gonna, this is getting super nerdy here. They're based on the, you know, in Roth, there's this, uh, it's called the tax equivalency principle, which basically means if, if you're in the same tax rate for your whole life, it doesn't matter which one you do, right? It, it, it doesn't matter if your tax rate is 22%, then in, when you make your contributions and when you take them out, doing a Roth or a traditional doesn't matter at all, right? It's, you know, if, if you have, have $20,000 right now in, a, in an IRA uh, and you converted it to 
uh, to a Roth, you know, you'd, you'd pay, uh, what's that, $4,400 in taxes right now. So your account would be down to 15600 If it then doubles before you take it out, you get to take out $31,200 and that's great, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you started with with an account that was twenty thousand dollars and you didn't convert it to a Roth, it would also double, right? So your twenty would turn into forty, but then on the way out, if you pay your twenty two twenty two percent in taxes, you end up with thirty one thousand two thirty one thousand two hundred dollars. So it's it's essentially exactly the same, right? You you paid your taxes at a different time, and in the Roth case, you paid a lot lower taxes because you paid your taxes when it was worth twenty thousand as opposed to forty, but you ended up with the exact same amount of money, right? So if your if your tax rate stays level, there really isn't any discussion, right? If we had a flat tax in our country and literally everything was taxed at the exact same rate, you know, there probably wouldn't even be a Roth IRA. Um, maybe there still would, but but it would be certainly less likely, right? Because we right. you would just have the same tax rate all the time. Makes okay. sense. Yep. Um, and so you know, and based on that, that's you know, the same math applies to to converting in a bear market, right? So if you, you know, if you, if your $20,000 went to, went down to $15,000, you could certainly then, you know, you, you would then convert it at your 22% and you'd pay less money in taxes. You'd pay $3,300 in taxes. Um, but in your after tax, you know, your, your value at that time would be 11700 If, you know, you'll get more growth, in like in, in in scenario number two, where you know if scenario number one is we're converting at the end of 2021 when the market's great, uh, and scenario number two is we're converting in June 2022 when the market is poor, you know let's say the market's down 25%. Well, if you convert, you you still pay you you pay less in taxes, and then in and then you get a higher future rate of return, all else being equal, right? Because you're you know you're we're talking about investment volatility and in in our hypothetical. You know, we're just assuming the market is going to end at a certain, you know, at a certain set number. And so we're going to, in, when the market goes down, we make our conversion and then we're going to get a higher rate of return on our Roth money, which sounds great, but you also get a higher rate of return on your traditional money and the tax equivalency principle still, it, it still holds true where even if you, even though you, you convert in a lower, in a lower, uh, a smaller amount of money, you pay less taxes. You're still ending with the same amount of money at the end of the day if you're still in the same if you're still in the same tax bracket, right? So it's so it's it it doesn't really on its all else being equal, it really doesn't make sense to do a Roth conversion just because we're having a bear market. There has to be something else that you're converting for, and essentially what it does, you know, I'll, I'll skip to the end here and then maybe maybe uh, go a little further on it. If you're if you're in a situation where Roth conversion makes sense for you, then it, it certainly does make sense to, you know, to a bear market just allows you to speed up that process, right? So if, if, if it's, if you look at the future of your life and you say, you know, I'm, I'm looking and, and so we do this all the time and we, we generally are looking at it from a, you know, it's, it's generally not that um, it's usually when people are, you know, sort of retired and, you know, they're, they're before RMDs, maybe they haven't taken social security yet, but we look at a lot of Roth conversion in sort of in that, in that time frame where we're, oh, you know, you're retired, your tax rate's down, maybe we should go ahead and, and, and you know, take some income early or do a Roth conversion. And if, if that's the situation that you're in, I think it makes a lot of sense to do that. And you effectively can just, you, you sort of supercharge 
that process by being able to do more of it when rates are down, right? Because you get to, you know, the, your, your balances are down. And so you can effectively take more money out of traditional and put it into Roth because, because the, you know, the value's down and, and we assume in the future it will appreciate and get kicked back up. Did I explain that all right? Uh, yes. Um, okay. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. So basically, yeah, you're right. So, you know, if, yeah, if part of your, if you're planning on doing a Roth conversion anyway, because it makes sense for you based on, you know, your tax That's situation, right. um, you know, your, your plan, uh, you know, based on the size of your required minimum distributions, if, if all of that, you know, has, you know, basically that was part of the plan anyway, then yeah, yeah. this is, this is a better time to do it than, um, you know, cause you're paying less taxes to, to, to get to the same place that you were planning on getting anyway. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and no, I see. If, yeah. It's but basically that you're getting more money into that Roth side, which is then, which is then, you know, for most people, you're effectively just trying to reduce the balance of your IRA, right? Really, the reason for it is, you know, and and it's it's when we're doing this planning, it's us looking at the future and saying okay, well, your tax rate may be this now, but the projection is that it will be that in retirement. And oftentimes, right, the reason that it's so situational is because of the way tax rates work. And I'm gonna, let me see if I can, you don't know the, you don't know the rough brackets, do you? Um, I can pull them up. The tax get the tax brackets. You know, for, for a lot, because the, you know, the, the um, uh, let's just say, married, we'll do married filing jointly. Um, you know, the 12% the bracket, is taxable income of about twenty thousand to eighty-three thousand. These are rough numbers, folks. So don't yep. don't uh, don't you know don't do your taxes based on this. We're just rounding. Uh, and the twenty-two percent tax bracket is eighty-three thousand to one hundred and seventy-eight thousand. Now, you know, for folks who are looking into the future and saying, "Oh, well, hey, if you know, once I hit my required minimum distributions, or once I hit, uh, once I you know, once I need to start taking money out of my IRA." I'm going to get kicked into a higher bracket, right? Well, I'm going to go from the 12% to the 22, or I'm going to go from you know no, paying no taxes up to 12%. And those are the circumstances when you certainly want to look at Roth conversion, and 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 even more so in in a bear market, uh, because you you know it's just a more effective process when you have depressed valuations. It really, if that's not the situation that you're in, and, and in fact, for a lot of folks, it's the opposite, right? I mean, you know, you and I both know we, we work with clients all the time, and what we'll do is we'll sit down and we're kind of looking at their, you know, they're working, and they're maybe they're 55 or 60, and we look at their tax rate, and it says, you know, 24%, and then we do our income tax projections, and because of the makeup of what they, you know, they particularly have saved, it says that they're going to drop to the 12% tax bracket and maybe they're going to stay there forever, right? You know, they have social security, which is, you know, not taxed as heavily as income. And maybe they have saved some money in Roth or they have some after-tax money. And so their required distributions aren't going to kick them up into higher tax brackets. And so they're going from higher to lower and then they're going to stay there in retirement. Um, those are situations where you where you do not want to do a Roth conversion unless you're making some very very specific calls about hey I think tax rates are going up or I think they're going to change it and I think you know what, what you know you, you have to be making some uh, some projection based on some external factor uh, in order to justify a Roth conversion if you're you know you don't want to pay twenty you don't want to pay taxes at twenty two when you could have paid them at 12 later. And so you just wanna be careful of what your particular bracket is. 
and especially since the brackets can be so wide, right? You have a very, very wide range of, of incomes. If, you're, if your fixed income puts you right at about $80,000 uh, in, in income and retirement, you, you have another almost $100,000 in, in IRA distributions before you get kicked up and uh, kicked up a bracket. And so it's just not a, it's not a no brainer. I guess I'm, I spent 20 minutes saying that Roth, I could have just said, hey, Roth conversion is by no means a no brainer in a bear market. Well, no. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah. You're basically, it's, I mean, cause you, yeah, cause you're right. Cause this is, this is things that you hear about in the news yeah. and like, cause you know, and it's being, you know, sometimes it's being, sounds like it's being promoted and, and you're doing, right. you're doing a good job of explaining why, why it may or may not uh, be as hot uh, right. as, as the news is saying that it is. It, it really, it really depends on your, on your situation, specifically your, you know, your tax situation. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll you know, and I, I would, I think I'll pretty firmly put it in a what's not. I mean, if you, if you read the literature on these conversions and you know when when you know hey when it's a good idea when it's a bad idea i mean it's very often a good idea for for folks who have a ton of money in a 401k right i mean you're talking about you know very very much one percenters if you have very very large sums uh in a 401k and you're you know if your required minimum distribution is going to be um you know a couple of hundred grand because you have you know millions of dollars in your 401k or your ira that's the kind of thing that can really you know mess with your brackets in retirement um for the, i would say for the average person it's probably you know I don't, I don't we certainly don't recommend roth conversion for our average client right so you know certainly less than less than 50 percent um because it's so situational and, and most most folks are in those kind of are in those relatively broad uh, early brackets or, or lower brackets in retirement uh because that's what the that's just what kind of kind of normal people retire into, Kirk. You know. Yeah. So we just have we just have about two minutes or less before the break here. So, um, you know, I was just going to say, you know, I just met with somebody the other day and we were talking about this because, yeah, they're in they're a few years away from required minimum distributions. Yep. And when that happens, for them, it's going to be money. You know, a lot of that money they don't necessarily need. You know, based on their based on their budget. Yep. Um, and so the next couple of years when they're just kind of living on, they're able to basically live on social security um, and maybe some cash. And so they're going to be in like a zero tax bracket for like three years. And yep. I, I said, this is, you know, this is, this is perhaps an opportunity, you know, to do a Roth conversion over the next couple of years uh, because we're going to reduce those RMDs, you know, down the road that they, that they don't necessarily need. And it's going to, you know, it's going to, it was going to push them up into a bracket so we can get some money out at, you know, 10 or 12%. Um, and to me, that makes sense. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and you could you could sort of piggyback you could piggyback on that and say, um, you know, if for for folks who are inclined to be nice to their children, and again, we're talking about very very high, you know, you know, the the, the one percenters of of retirement where they're just saying, hey, you know what? If I pay extra money in taxes, it's okay. I'm going to leave more money to my kids, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll leave more Roth money to my kids. That'll be great for them. And hey, I don't need the money anyway because I'm I'm doing just fine, right? This it's there's certainly a justification on that scope to say. All right. Well, I'm just gonna, you know, so I'll, I'll Roth convert it, and it'll be a little bit more effective now. I'll be able to do more of it, and even if it's not necessarily the best financial decision for me personally, it certainly will be more beneficial. <clears throat> excuse me for my kids. And so, all right, we have, you know, we gotta take a break, Justin. We're gonna take a break. Uh, you're listening to Back Around Money. We'll be right back. Are you ready to get organized? Let's consolidate those old accounts and make sure your investment strategies are appropriate. This is Kirk Reed, a certified financial planner with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Find out more at McNamaraFinancial.com. 
Good morning. We're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money, South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, my name is Kirk Reed, uh, joined today by my brother-in-law and business partner, uh, Justin McNamara. Uh, good morning again, Justin. Good morning. Um, is this the first time we've hosted together? Uh, I feel like we did one or two before, but it's been a while. I think it's been yeah. a while. Uh, apparently it wasn't memorable for you like it was for me. <laughs> uh, that's unfortunate. Um, what so, a great brother-in-law, huh? Yeah. Jeez, not even remember the last time he hosted together. I mean, I, uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna worry about that for the rest of the day now, Justin. About, you gonna feel self-conscious for the rest of the show? Uh, like you, you're gonna really, you really gonna try to say something memorable today? Yeah. So that, so that you're like, <laughs> oh man, that was that was a great experience. I want to do that. I want to do that again. Um, we did the what's hot, what's not show. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, yeah, you're right. So, yes, good segue. So what's hot, what's not? Uh, we're talking about uh, some, you know, some things that you might be hearing in the news these days, uh, you know, financial, the financial news as far as hot topics. Um, and so, all right. So, do what? You, yeah. Do you, should we do a, um, should we do a quicker one? I don't know if, I don't know. I, you know, I have a, we have some, uh, some of the stuff on our list is, uh, it takes a little longer and some of it's, uh, some of it's some quick hitters. So I don't know if you want to, do you want to segue into something a little, a little less deep after my, uh, my deep dive on Roth conversion or what do you think? I don't know. We can do, we can do crypto and we can just, uh, you know, chat about stuff for, okay. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I think, you know, we're, uh, I don't. I don't know if we're putting this on what's hot or what's not, right? I mean, you have to. You have to look at your time frame, right? Obviously, <laughs> if we had a what's hot, what's not crypto for the last six months, it'd be not. And you know, if it was the last couple of weeks, it probably it would probably be hot. But I just wanted to kind of briefly jump in. Well, first with a little anecdote, I um, I was talking to a young fellow the other day, um, you know, about investments, and and uh, he he mentioned that he. Um, he, you know, he dabbles in crypto a little bit, you know, was responsibly, I would say, you know, he, he, he even referred to it as play money. And it was, you know, he was very clear that it was not his uh, retirement plan. Um, and it was just sort of a, maybe a little bit of a hobby and, you know, something that he was hoping to maybe, you know, like he, he explained it in kind of lottery ticket like term, which, which I know we're, uh, we're going to get to later in the show here. Um, but he mentioned, you know, during this conversation, he said, oh, yeah, you know, I, nothing crazy. I only stick to the top 10. <laughs> and I get in my head, I'm like, wow, there are ten, like yeah. oh, the top 10. That, that means there are so many cryptocurrencies that there's a there's a top 10. And therefore, there must be an even, I would guess, larger, larger bottom. I, I was, you know, I'm, we're not, you know, as, as I think most of our listeners probably here know where we we don't recommend uh, crypto, and, and uh, it's not uh, something that we follow all that closely. But how many cryptos could you name? Uh, uh, I mean, Bitcoin. Test. Uh, There's a test curve. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, <laughs> is it Ethereum? Is that one? Yeah. Yeah. I think those are the two big ones. I think that's about all I got uh, in my in my back really? in my back pocket. Oh, wow. Yeah. You can get Dogecoin or uh, or Shiba Inu. Oh, for, I've heard know, of Doge. I've heard of Dogecoin. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, like you said, I mean, we don't really, you know, that's. That's it, it. It is becoming more mainstream, right? I think. Yeah. I, I think we have to admit that. Um, yep. You know, it has been around. I think since when is it? I, I mean, it's been around for ten years, more than that. I mean, two thousand. Is it? I forget exactly when it when it kind of first came out. Um, yeah, but it has. I can probably find that. Yeah, I, I should look up a. You know, I, I can. 
I don't know when it came out, but yeah, it's been it's been a while. Maybe even like 2008, maybe uh, like when it first officially came out. Um, oh, I'll check it for you. Yeah, so it, I mean, it has been around, and you know, as as there becomes more history, you know, I think it, you know, it has become a little bit more mainstream. Yeah. Um, and you know, when it first came out, you know, people, you know, people would ask us because you know, people were seeing other people make money, right? You know, they were, yeah. they were because it was just exploding. Um, and that, I mean, but that's just, you know, that is such a volatile thing. And there was just like no known history at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as time goes on, you know, perhaps it will become, you know, part of, you know, more mainstream portfolios. But uh, that's, you know, we're, we're not there yet, um, you know, as, as a firm. Um, yeah. And, 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 and I don't know when, when, that will, when that day will come, if, if ever. I'm going to say probably never, but hey, we know think things change, right? The world, in theory, sure. the world could be could be different in five years. But yeah, I mean, I just I, I have it going back. Uh, I have prices on it back to 2014, but 2014. that's neither here nor there. You know, I I think what I wanted to say about it, and I think just kind of the the price and how the price has been moving, I think says a little something about it. And and you know, to me, the way that I look at it, and the way that I think most of the people at our firm would look at it would, would be this is would. would be cautionary, right? I mean, if you take a look at, um, you know, if you take a look at sort of the various prices of, of things as interest rates and inflation uh, have have changed, right? So um, when you take a look at, say, uh, let's let's use Amazon, Facebook, uh, you know, Google, all those, all the big tech companies, right? And and sort of technology in general has had a lousy bunch of you know i think it's been probably a year plus for for technology here as as far as being in a bear market uh, or at least in a down market right and a lot of that is corresponded with inflation expectations and you know the explanation for it is well hey these are companies specifically in the tech space that are are very you know the 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 payoff for these companies in other words the cash flow a lot of it is well in the future, right? I mean, if you think about, like, think about Facebook um, five years ago, or maybe t- or, or ten years, or even maybe ten years ago, it was well. Hey, they're they're gathering all these users. You know, for a long time, a lot of tech companies aren't even profitable at all. But the idea is, well, hey, at some point we're gonna build this base, and we're gonna have a, t- you know, at some point we're gonna be worth a lot of money. Um, but there's nothing coming in right now, right? There's no dividends coming in. You, you know, the, the stock investor is really just waiting for a for for a point in time that's very much in the future before the actual money starts to come back to them in any form, right? And so, as in, you know, when you when you have inflation, the future value is reduced, right? I mean, that's just that's you know, if if you have you know two percent inflation versus 10% inflation, if you have 10% inflation, the future value of those earnings goes down. And so you have extra volatility in very, very long-term investments, right? You know, mm-hmm. oh, hey, I'm, I don't get my pay, you know, this this hot new tech company, it's not gonna pay off for, you know, for, for five years or 10 years or even 15 years. And so if I have lots of inflation in between now and then, that's gonna really affect my, you know, affect my assumptions here and I'm gonna have to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to sort of readjust things more quickly, right? So um, you get you've had more volatility in kind of longer term payoff investments as inflation has gone up, and it would work the same way if it go. You know, it'll work the same way when it goes down, right? So when we talk about volatility, which I will will do more of this show, 
volatility mean you know goes both directions right now it's it's you know recently it's been bad but it can also be good so you know in in fairness um if inflation expectations moderate significantly and they go way back down you'll probably see most technology you know you know related indexes bump up pretty significantly and so yeah i and i think you know so and just to sort of finish the thought, you know, the inflation affects more established, more profitable companies less because if you are, I don't know, Cartino, you know, you know, a big dividend-paying company that we can use. Maybe it's Procter and maybe Procter and Gamble. Uh, yeah, um, I feel, I feel <laughs> like Procter and yeah, I feel like maybe like uh, like uh, Pepsi or Yum. I feel like those are good ones. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so, if, so if you if you then chart like if if something has a nice you know let me I think if I I didn't I should have of course, obviously I should have uh, uh, I should have looked this up in advance but yeah I mean if you if you have a, a company with a nice healthy dividend right let's say your company is paying a three percent dividend well the, the cash the value of that company is based on all of the cash flows um, and so in the case of a Pepsi. Uh, or a Procter and Gamble, or you know, and, and maybe an energy company that's paying you a nice healthy dividend. Well, a lot of those dividends are you're getting them right now, and so inflation is affecting them less than it's affecting that technology company, right? If all the money from your tech company comes to you 15 years from now, or at least all the cash flow, uh, whereas you know, if you own a Procter and Gamble, you get 15 years worth of dividends. You're, you know, you're, you're certainly less subject to the, you know, to, to inflation, and so you have you've had less volatility in sort of well-established, ca- you know, cash flow heavy companies, more volatility in, you know, uh, companies that have, you know, lower cash flows or maybe even, you know, ha- aren't even profitable yet, mm-hmm. and that's a this is, you know, I'm, I'm I'm finally getting there, Kirk. You know, if you look at, you know, the Bitcoin and the cryptos, it's it's essentially like they're. The, that volatility is supercharged, right? So the next level up would be, well, here are the cryptos, and as inflation expectations go up and down, um, they are like supercharged higher and lower, right? If you look at, you know, if you look at the bitcoins and all the other stuff, as inflation has come up, they've come, you know, they've really, really crashed, and then, you know, as you know, in the last couple of weeks here, you know, it's oh, the Fed's getting really serious. They're they're changing, you know, they're they're going to get inflation under control, and you've seen a pretty significant rally. Uh, at least over the last, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, a week or two, but um, that's kind of, uh, you know, and, and to me that would say, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it, it, to me that, that makes it, it makes me nervous because it's like a, essentially they're, you know, they're like no cash flow companies. It's like, well, hey, you know, inflation is, yeah. if inflation is low, these things look fantastic, but if inflation is high, they they could like you know go to zero. It's like because you know, yeah, because yeah, because cryptocurrencies yeah. don't they don't pay a dividend. You know that's but, right. Yeah, you're talking. There's about, never yeah, yeah, yeah. There's never any you know there's never any cash flow coming on them, and so it's just this sort of assumed you know future valuation, and so right. literally everything is you know it's so subject to volatility and inflation. You know, I, I think you know, and everyone knows that crypto is volatile. I would say it's going to continue to be volatile, and and I would tell you that it may go away someday. But I just want to sort of point out that relationship as, hey, this is this is like a major problem, and if it's it's going to if inflation continues, you're going to see this probably keep on uh, keep on this same track. I think, and I think you could probably you know kind of group like gold into that same category, right? Um, you know, gold doesn't pay any kind of right. dividend, uh, yeah. and it's and it's quite volatile as well, right? Exactly. Um, it, yeah. Um, 
and you know some some people look at it as a hedge against inflation but you know it but it can it can go up and down in uh you know in a heartbeat um and it doesn't pay anything along the way so you're just you know you're holding it hoping that it appreciates but um but it's a volatile asset class right yeah exactly yeah if you're if you're right you're you know if you're if you're discounted cash like you 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 value a stock on discounted cash flows right if you if you're uh, if your asset doesn't have any cash flows, it's literally the time you sell it, which is almost like this future infinity value. And so you get extra volatility when any when anything comes and, and affects current prices, right? If interest rates are up, if they're down, if inflation's up, if inflation's down, it magnifies that volatility because you're on such a long-term time horizon. So good point, Kirk. All right. Good addition. <laughs> Now, now, now you're going to remember me. <laughs> now you're going to remember me and and include me in future shows. Um, all right. So now, yeah. Um, where do you want to go next? Let's do. How about we talk? I know we talk a lot about Social Security. I want you know you had some lottery stuff. I know you were on uh, on yep. ATD during the week. We can do some lottery. I don't know. Maybe we'll do that after the break. But okay. Um, got about what about minutes. well? Let's let's do recession. All right. You know, that's that's sort of a what's hot topic, and I don't think it'll take us all that long. I just want it's one of the things that I did want to touch on, as far as you know. We we uh, I, I'm starting to get the question in client meetings. Yep, uh, same. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think we're in a recession? Are we? You know, are, are we gonna are we gonna go into a recession? And you know, my my answer obviously is usually I don't know. Um, you know, if I had to guess, I would say yeah, maybe we will go into a recession at some point. But I think you know, from from my point of view, and from the point of view I think of in, of investors, uh, it's I, it's not an immaterial topic, but it's not. I, I would say that it's all not particularly important uh, as an investor. Right, recessions are obviously very, very uh, damaging to to a certain people, and and they can be damaging to an individual. But um, I would say that it's not necessarily, you know, for for a lot of folks, uh, they get through recessions just fine. And it's essentially if you're lucky enough to keep your job during a recession, right? I mean, if you if we have a recession, um, and uh, and companies start cutting back, which you know they, to this point, we have had companies cutting back on on hiring certainly. Um, you know, and if we go from uh, 3.6% unemployment up to 5% unemployment, obviously that's a lot of people who've lost their jobs, right? So we don't want to we don't want to minimize the effect of recession on the folks that it impacts because it's a it's it's a particularly damaging thing if you lose your job, and then you know it, it's, it's sort of it can be magnified if you then you know we're lucky enough to have some savings or responsible enough to have some savings and then you have to go grab some money out of your investment plan because uh you know you need to live your life right it, it can be very very financially damaging to lots of folks but if you don't find yourself you know i mean i think we want to just be clear we want to honor that and, and not minimize it but um for the folks who are lucky enough to maintain their jobs it's I would think it's 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 generally not that big of an impact for those people, right? Are you okay with that yeah, I statement? Mean, yeah, I think if you're, you know, let's say let's say you're you know you're already retired, right? So you don't you don't have that that job loss fear. Yeah. Um, yep. Then you know your your concern might be, you know, might be how this how a recession might affect your portfolio, right? Um, right. Because you know you hear about you know perhaps a recession coming uh, in the news and, and and maybe you don't know how it might affect your portfolio. You you assume you assume that it's going to be bad, right? I think that's the yeah. assumption. Um, 
you know, so I was looking through and, you know, so like what I would call, well, so like from the Great Depression to today, right? So that's from 1929 through today. I don't know if you want to call that the modern era or not. Maybe that goes back even further than what we'd call the modern era. But, yeah. um, you know, over that time frame, I counted up one, two, three, four, five, I think 15 quote unquote recessions. Yeah. Um, yeah. During that time frame. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to go through a couple of them just as far as like, yeah, yeah. Um, like the duration. Um, because a lot of them, you know, didn't last all that long. Uh, just to, again, to kind of help, you know, kind of quell fears that people might have that a recession is like, you know, uh, something that lasts forever. And um, so let's see. So actually, and a, and a great example uh, is the most recent one, right? So, so technically, yeah. technically, we had a recession during 2020 uh, with COVID-19. Um, yep. and that was from February of 2020 through April of 2020. So, so we had a recession, uh, as you know, basically they, you know, well, I don't think we really defined a recession. Um, so let's see, um, where was it here? Uh, so one definite, so the national Bureau of economic research, uh, they define a recession as a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy lasting more than two quarters, right? Which is six months, yeah. uh, which is normally seen in, you know, gross domestic product uh, reduction, uh, you know, incomes go down, employment goes down, um, et cetera. So that's kind of the definition, right? So it, it lasts, you know, six months or longer. Yep. Um, so technically, so the, so the COVID-19, that was a recession, uh, but it only lasted two months. So, I mean, it just barely even fit into the, the definition. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry, it was only two months. Um, so, yep. so actually, but they're calling it a recession just because of the magnitude, right? The, okay. The magnitude of it. Uh, oh, there are multiple. De- okay. The size of it. Yeah, it was it was a pretty big pullback. Okay. Right. So it didn't it didn't even really fit, but they're but they are including it. Um, and so it was two months. Um, and you know, so it, it it felt terrible, right, when we were in it. Um, yeah. And and yes, there were there were definitely you know job losses. Um, but from a from a um, market point of view. You know, the market, you know, yes, definitely felt some effects, but it was relatively short-lived. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and so you could have an optimistic viewpoint that if we do go through another recession here uh, in the near future, that it could also be very short-lived. You know, we don't know that for a fact. Uh, yeah. But, but you know, you want to, I just want to kind of have, you know, some perspective. Um, you know, prior to that, the last, you know, recession was, you know, the quote-unquote Great Recession. Yep. Uh, which was December 2007 through June of 2009. Uh, so that so that was effectively uh, a year and a half. Um, yeah. You know, a year and six months, and you know that was, um, you know, so that was obviously longer, right? And that that was quite, you know, and actually, if I go back through through history, uh, the the you know the previous ones before that were like eight months, eight months. Um, so it, it had been a while since we had seen one of that length. Um, okay. and, you know, I certainly, you know, we were, you know, we, you know, we were in this, in our positions, uh, back then and, you know, we lived through that and, yeah. and it was, it was, you know, it felt like a long time and it, and it was a long time. I mean, a year and a half is, is a long time, especially when you just don't know when you're going to come out of it. Um, right. And I don't. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I would just want to point out too. In, in oftentimes, right? If you, you know, because the, the 
the question we get is usually about about recession, right? And and you know, in in our terms, we're usually talking. You know, this is our, our personal experience, right? We're we're talking to people about their investments. We should also point out that oftentimes, you know, the the market is ahead of a recession, right? The, you know, the markets are, you know, we're, we're essentially it's it's a bunch of people getting together trying to predict the prices of, you know, what the prices of things should be. And so, if you look at, you know, if you look at a chart of, you know, U.S. recessions along with the market, a lot of times the market is 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 has gone down significantly, bef- you know, even before the recession starts. And then, you know, a lot of times it even it starts to pop up during the recession. Right. So, you know, you just because we're going to have a recession. Right. It doesn't necessarily you know, you, you could have um, a situation where well, we finally get notification. Right. It's official. The numbers are in. We're in a recession. That doesn't mean that the stock market will get worse. In fact, it could it could almost immediately start getting better because, you know, the the, the predicting, uh, you know, the predicting abilities of the market. Maybe maybe we're right. They knew a recession was coming. And now they're, you know, they're already on to predicting the recovery. And so it's not necessarily the fact that once we hear that we're in a recession, uh, that, that, you know, prices are going to get worse, quote unquote, right? So it's just not, it, it doesn't, it's not a one-to-one like that where, oh, we're in a recession and the stock market will go down until the recession ends and then it will immediately start turning up, right? It's, it's not a, it's not a one-to-one like that. And, you know, the, you know, the, the, the Federal Reserve, right? They've been, you know, raising rates um, yeah. as a res- to try to try to, um, you know, bring inflation down, uh, yeah. which has been been an issue, right? People are feeling that the effects of inflation um, yeah. in in a lot of facets of life, um, and so the you know the Federal Reserve, that's their job, right? Is to try to to keep inflation at a, at a certain level. Yeah. Um, it's not a it's not a perfect uh, science. Um, you know, they can't they can't fix it overnight. Um, you know they're 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 trying to do what they can by by raising rates. You know they ha- they they have you know that's one of their their tools uh, that they have. And so, you know the the fear right is that they if they raise rates you know too fast or or, or too much that that that's going to cause the recession. Um, yep. And but you know they're gonna they're gonna do their best. And I'm. You know, people have different opinions about the government and you know what they you know what they do. And uh, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm of the opinion that they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna do what they need to do, and they're gonna, they're gonna do what's right, and they're gonna and they're gonna fix this problem. But um, you know, you just don't know how long it's gonna take, and you know, you have to just have to have some some faith and some patience in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think you're you're right. You know, we we I think we are generally on the. Uh, I guess we sort of would be would be trusting of the government, right? We're not we're not uh, we're not kind of radicals in that way. At least most of us at the office, and you kind of have to believe in the future, right? When you're in our business, you're sort of in, you know, hey, we we believe in the future, and we you know we think our you know we're, we have lots of problems in our country, but we're probably going to get through them, and that sort of comes with the territory when you're uh, when you're planning for people's futures, you know, fifty years from now, fifty years or more from now. Um, but yeah, I think I think I would. I'm generally supportive of what's been going on, and I think it's very very clear that they're trying to make it. You know, they're trying to communicate to everybody, "Hey, we're taking this we're taking this very very seriously. We are going to get inflation under control." And a lot of the impact of that is, you know, they're trying to they're trying to add the psychological piece of it to, uh, you know, because if, if people are expecting inflation, uh, it tends to be a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy. So they're trying to they're trying to get out in front of it and say, "Hey, this isn't going to happen. We're we're going to do whatever it takes here." And I think I'm generally supportive of it, even though it's been, you know, it's been painful, right? I mean, and we we get to sit down and and uh, you know some of that 
um, some of what's happening with regards to the markets has been, you know, has been hurtful to investment portfolios. But, uh, you know, if you're thinking long term about stuff, you, you I think you would generally be supportive of what's going on, at least so far. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when we when we do planning for folks, you know, one of the things that we make an assumption about is is inflation going forward. Um, and, you know, we look at history. And, you know, we try to we try to make a, a conservative guess, you know, look, looking forward, um, yep. you know, that's really that's the best we can do. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, you know, if we have in, you know, we kind of plan on people taking more money, you know, out of their portfolios over time as, as a result of inflation. But it doesn't always happen every year. Right. You know, so, you know, some years it's just, you know, people take the same, but then every once in a while they're like, Hey, uh, uh, I need a little bit of a raise here, uh, from my portfolio, um, yeah. because of what's going on. Um, but then there are some folks that it's like, you know, if they see the cost going up, they actually, I think it's that psychological component where they're like, Ooh, maybe I'm just going to slow down. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to make my money last, right. I'm going to make it go further by just kind of slowing down, maybe not spending on, uh, some of the extra things. And, um, you know, try try to try to try to keep things the way they are. So, you know, there's definitely a psychological component when it comes to inflation and and trying to keep spending at a certain level. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to right. Yeah, just before we leave the recession, I mean, there's not a lot um we got know, about, we had about know, 2 minutes roughly. Okay, yeah. 3 minutes, yeah. Other than the market and yeah, I don't even know if this is this isn't even 2 minutes worth of content here. Okay. But, um, you know, you know, so obviously people lose their jobs, uh, you know, you, you see and again, once if you're not in that category, all everything else that happens as a result of the recession is probably not, you know, isn't isn't kind of a uh is in life or death here. Um, you know, you see, you know, wages tend to stop increasing or they may even decrease. You know, you may you may pay more for a mortgage. You know, lending lending standards go up. But really, I just you know when I was looking at hey negative effects, you know, I, I even I even make sure I looked it up <laughs> just just in case I, I was missing anything. But it really wasn't all that big of a deal. So if you if you hear all the recession talk, uh, I would probably I, I wouldn't worry too too much about it. You know, except for your, maybe your own personal. Uh, job obviously that's a that's a, a stressful thing to worry about. Yeah, I guess yeah, I would say you know don't don't let the don't let the possibility of a recession right uh, don't let that affect your you know don't change your strategy right you know based on based on the fact that there might be a recession right okay um, yeah you know don't don't change your investment strategy um, because it it may or may not happen uh, you know number one right. um, and number two as we talked about it. You know they they can be they can be you know relatively short lived, um, and it's it's not not a you know it's not a reason to change your portfolio. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. So after the break, you know we have what do we what else do we have? We have interest rates coming up. Actually, yep, yep. The music is starting to play, Justin. So this is I a perfect. Even, I can't even preview it. All right, know, we'll be right back. That's okay. You leave everybody hanging. All right. We're, if you're listening <laughs> to McNamara on Money, uh, Kirk Reed and Justin McNamara, uh, we'll be right back after the break. 